Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. How many of you have found yourselves in a roller coaster of emotions this week? Have you all felt that way? Um, One thing I did notice, I mentioned it in Sunday school, is we've not seen uh, videos of people falling in the street screaming. And we're not dropping off bricks, you know, in certain locations. And we're not burning down our own neighborhoods. Have you all noticed that? Now, that's probably coming, but not from us. Uh, I think that if, uh, we just need to be prepared for that. That if, if the courts overturn some of the shenanigans that have been going on, I, I, I think that we just need to be prepared for trouble. I don't think we're going to have trouble in Sydney, but as a nation, I think that we need to be prepared. But as a church, we're not going to be distracted from the preaching of the Word of God because of what's going on in politics. But wait until you see our text. It's almost like God knew what was going to be going on when we were studying this text. So let's read our, our section in Psalm 119, and then I'm going to just preach the text, and I think that uh, we're going to have a good time. The Bible says in verse 73, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me, without cause." But I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that that our hope is based in you. And so, Father, help us to understand our place in society. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that I have noticed throughout this political season and this political campaign is... um, the religious speech issue that has come up. And I want to deal with some of those things as we go through this text. But one of the most important things that I think would be good for us to understand from the Word of God, and I'm calling this message, My Place in Society. My Place in Society. As a believer, who am I to be in this culture right now in the middle of this culture war. Now, how many of you recognize that it really is a culture war? Now, it's not a hot war yet. It's a cold war. But it may become a hot war. And let me say this. That is the last thing any of us want. You know, there are some people that love the idea of war. The only people who love the idea of war are people who have never been in a war. And we need to pray for peace. We need to make sure that we are not aggravators and instigators of violence. We need to be God's people 
in this place, and this text tells us exactly how we are to behave at this moment in time. And we need to submit to the Word of God. Amen? We need to submit. I understand that this is a time of confusion, it's a time of frustration, and it's a time of anger. So the first thing that I want you to see in my place in society, my place in society is as a created being, I am a creature, I am not the creator. And that gives me my place in the hierarchy of the universe. I'm not in charge. Man, I don't know about some of you, but I know some real control freaks. As a matter of fact, I'm married to one. See, we say she's not OCD because OCD is not in alphabetical order. And, and she's, she's at home right now. She wasn't feeling good, but she's watching this. Love you, honey. I, I see you. It's all. But all of us, all of us, we really do want to be the captains of our own destiny. We, we don't want someone to be telling us what to do. And at a time like this where obviously there has been much corruption in this election, you've you got to take your brain out and play with it to think the reason they don't want Republicans to watch them count is because they want to be really careful. That all of the votes stopped being counted in the, these five battleground states at the same time. And President Trump was millions of votes ahead. But is our hope based is our hope based in Donald Trump? Is our hope based in a Republican administration? We've been I always say that George Bush cured me of being a Republican. Right? Man, I went and watched him on the on the, the, the square in Troy and we were so excited. We took the kids, they were little, and we were so excited that we're gonna have President Bush and we got George Soros. We got globalism. We got a mess, right? And man, I learned that our hope does not need to be in government. Our hope needs to be in the Lord. But in that, we have a place in society, and that is that we acknowledge our Creator. Look at verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. I was made and fashioned. Listen to what Spurgeon wrote on this text. Anybody tired of hearing about Spurgeon from Psalm 119? It is so good, I have to say it. In both giving existence and arranging existence, the Lord manifested love and wisdom, and therefore we find reasons for praise, confidence, and expectation in our being and well-being. How many of you know that God created the world? Right? Right? We do believe in the Big Bang. It just comes at the end, not the beginning. Right? Seeing then that all of this is going to be dissolved, it's all going away, what manner of persons ought we to be? We ought to be holy and righteous. My place in this world, when I understand that I'm a created being, is, oh, wait a minute, I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. My dad would tell the story of this lady who was flying on an airplane and there's this other lady that was sitting next to her and they were going through a storm and this lady was freaking out. 
And she looked over at this other lady, and obviously it was before 9-11. She's just doing her needlepoint or whatever it is, crocheting. Or, and she looks over at it, and she said, how can you be so calm? And she looked over and said, I can't fly this plane. We look at this world, and it's in upheaval, and we're going through a storm, and it looks like everything is going to explode, and oh, man, people's hair is on fire. And you look at a believer, and the believer's just smiling. What's wrong with you? I can't fly this plane. I have a creator. Uh, How many of you know, how many of you know that God is still on his throne? Now, I know you didn't need me to say that. We do not have an emotionally fragile congregation. Praise God for that. Right? And yet, can we just say it together? God is on his throne. You ready? One, two, three. Praise God. How many of you that helped you a little bit right there? It gave me goosebumps to hear you guys shout that out. I am a created being and everything that God does is good. Did God cheat in the election? No, but he's still God and he is still good. And we're still his people. This is interesting. How many of you know that we need grace? So look at what the text says, verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Spurgeon. A man without a mind is an idiot. Let's pray and have an invitation on that right there. Direct quote from Spurgeon. A man without a mind is an idiot. The mere mockery of a man. And a man without grace is wicked. The sad perversion of a mind. We pray that we may not be left without spiritual judgment or understanding. How many of you know that we live in a world full of spiritually blind people? And here's the sad thing. Remember, I quoted it last week. We talk about it all the time. We live in the Laodicean age. And what did Jesus Christ say to the church at Laodicea? It says, because thou art rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, but knowest not that thou art wicked, and wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. He said, I counsel of thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and that that you may anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. See, we live in a time where even Christians are spiritually blind, And there are a lot of people that are just so afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of the future. What's the worst thing that can happen? We go see Jesus. And you'll watch, there'll be, I guarantee you that if you search YouTube, there are prophecy channels right now. This is the rise of the Antichrist. And the, the vaccine is coming and the vaccine is going to have a marker in it. And that marker is the mark of the beast. I guarantee you that's what's in the news, right? That's, that's what, prophecy all over the place. Can I tell you something? I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And he is coming back. And listen, we're going to be okay. I need to understand that I am a created being, that my maker, he made me, he fashioned me, and he put me on the earth at this time, according to Acts chapter 17, he, he determined the times and bounds of our habitation so that we might seek him and find him. 
How many of you have actually prayed a little bit more this week? See, because before I was afflicted, I went astray. My, my place. So I'm a created being. I, I'm created. I'm not the creator. My prayer is this. Lord, you made this vessel. Now fill it. The, the Bible says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I need to be filled with the word of God at this time because my trust is in God. My trust is not in man. It's vital. The maker, the fashioner, he also cares about his creations. Verse 73 again, my hand, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Notice what it says. Give me, what's that next word? That I may learn thy commandments. See, we live in a time where we really need understanding. And we need to understand that God cares about his creation. And God really cares about children. He cares about the little ones. The murder of innocence has become a bother to modern evangelicals. Uh, you one-issue voters. Well, I'm not a one-issue voter. But if I were, that would be the one. See, did you know that there were entire groups of evangelicals who supported Joe Biden's campaign? There was a group, group called Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. Pro-life evangelicals for Biden. There was another group called Evangelicals for Biden. And Evangelicals for Biden on their website, they claimed that they had turned 245,000 votes in Georgia. And listen to the statement on their website. As pro-life evangelicals, You know, I'm against rape. That's the end of the statement. But you know, the other guy's mean. Seriously. You understand that's the thinking. See, it's called moral equivalency, and I'm going to give you an example of it in a minute, but this is the statement on their website. As pro-life evangelicals, we disagree with Vice President Biden and the Democratic platform on the issue of abortion, but we believe a biblically shaped commitment to the sanctity of human life compels us to a consistent ethic of life that affirms the sanctity of life from beginning to end. That's so dumb, I have to translate it for you. You pro-life people, the only time you care is when the person is in the womb. You don't care about them after they're born. That's the implication. Really. So we believe that work 
is a good thing. That would have been a great place for a resounding amen. We believe that work is a good thing. And we believe that the purpose of government is to punish evil. That's the purpose of government. The purpose of government is to protect the borders and protect commerce. The purpose of government is is to protect private property because the basis of liberty is private property. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmark. Why? Because when you remove the ancient landmark, you enter into the fields of the fatherless. Come here, you little bastard. Remember, Hebrews, you don't discipline your children, you don't treat them as sons, you treat them as bastards. That's what the Bible says. So listen, we, as a church, we understand what the Apostle Paul said. He wrote, he said, if a man would not work, neither should he eat. So our job as a society is to endorse a community that embraces hard work and private property because these are things that are important to God. He established this order. And we're going to see why they want to overturn it here in a minute in our text. But the moral equivalency of saying that I would rather... Vote for someone that wants to chop up babies and sell their parts. I had a family get mad at me for saying that. I, that's, I don't want my children to hear that. Well, you need to go home and tell your kids there's some really wicked and evil people in the world. And don't get mad at the preacher when he says it out loud. You're the people that skip chapters in the Bible because you think it'll hurt your child. Now listen, the moral equivalency of that. I watched, uh, there, there's a, a website, I think it's called thecaseforlife.com. I'm going to read something from it in a minute, thecaseforlife.com. They have a one-minute video about abortion. Please, all of you watch it. Will you write that down, caseforlife.com? Let me make sure it's that, that's the right one. Here, let me make sure it's right. Yes, caseforlife.com. I wanted to show it. I can't show it in here because of the kids. Every one of you must watch it. You must watch it. This idea of evangelicals who don't understand that the Creator cares about His creatures. There's so much more that I could say, but I want to continue. Not only that, listen to what John Piper, how many of you have heard of John Piper? He said, it is baffling to assume that pro-abortion policies kill more people than a culture saturating pro-self-pride. So his reason, he came out and he said that he couldn't vote for either Biden or Trump because Trump is arrogant. And he said that pride kills more people than abortion. 
And then he quotes a bunch of Old Testament stuff. Here's, here's his mistake. So he, he doesn't like the arrogance of President Trump's speech. Right? I don't like the effeminateness of Piper's speech. See, here's his problem. Because he's a Calvinist, he believes that God deals with nations. That's the same view as socialism. Calvinism deals with people in groups. You have family salvation. If you are a Calvinist, then your children are children of promise and they will be saved. If you are of the elect, then your children will also be of the elect. You are an elect nation. You're a group of people. That is not the New Testament. The New Testament, in the Old Testament, God dealt with nations. In the New Testament, God deals with individuals. And President Trump's arrogance has nothing to do with my individual salvation. But President Biden and the, or the, 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 the whatever. <laughs> Biden and the Democrats' view on abortion is an indictment against the whole moral nature of the society. Remember, government is to punish evil. How can government punish pride? And can I ask you a question? Just, just think about this with me just for a minute. Who, other than a person full of pride, would run for the office of the president? Yeah, I got this. Most important man in the world. Most powerful man in the world. I can do that. Can I just say something? Normal people don't do that. This moral equivalency, it's a real problem. And there's a reason for it, and I'm going to get to it. So let's, go, let's just continue in our text. How many of you think that the Creator cares about the creation? Let's, I want to do this. So that website, that caseforlife.com, that's a guy named Scott Klusendorf. And he has a great thing on answering abortion. And it's called, you use the SLED acronym, S-L-E-D, the SLED acronym. The S is size. Yes, embryos are smaller than newborns and adults, but why is that relevant? Do we really want to say that large people are more valuable than small ones, Wade knew? <laughs> Men are generally larger than women, but that doesn't mean that they deserve more rights. Size doesn't equal value. Is that common sense? And that's probably my favorite point on this whole thing. Size. B, level of development. So the L, level of development. True, embryos and fetuses are less developed than you and I. But again, why is this relevant? Four-year-old girls are less developed than 14-year-old ones. Should older children have more rights than their younger siblings? Some people say that self-awareness makes one valuable. But if that is true, newborns do not qualify as valuable human beings. Six-week-old six week infants lack the, uh, the immediate capacity for performing human mental functions, uh, as do the, the reversibly comatose, the sleeping, or those with Alzheimer's disease. Level of development doesn't have anything to do with a person's value, unless you're a Nazi. 
useless eaters. Do any of us hold to that? No. No. What about, so S, the, the S is size, L is level of development, the E is environment. Where you are has no being on who you are. Remember, I think it was Yogi Berra, wherever you go, there you are. Right? I read one of his quotes this week. Um, Predictions are hard, especially those about the future. (laughs) Love that. Where you are has no bearing on who you are. Does your value change when you cross the street or roll over in bed? If not, how can a journey of eight inches down the birth canal suddenly change the essential value of the unborn from non-valuable tissue mass to valuable human being? If the unborn are not already human and valuable, merely changing their location can't make them so. Isn't this good? Then the D, S-L-E-D, the D is degree of dependency. If viability bestows human value, then all those who depend on insulin or kidney medication are not valuable and we may kill them. Conjoined twins who share blood type and bodily systems also have no right to life. Degree of dependency. Can an infant live on his own? No. No. And I would question whether or not any of these teenagers could. (laughs) It's just kidding. It's just a little joke. You'd eat each other. Look at what the text says. Go back to verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Look, give me understanding. Give me understanding. Pride, how many of you know that pride is not a good thing? We all understand that. It goes, it, pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. We all understand that. So, arrogance or chopping up babies. I, okay, I'm going to keep going. So, my prayer. Give me understanding. Let me learn your commandments. See, these soft-headed evangelicals, these soft-headed evangelicals, they need to grow a spine, and we need to help them. We're going to see how to do it here in the text. Okay, look at the next verse, verse 74. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word, so my place, I belong with those who fear God. I have a team. You know, we have this, this word, this, this popular word, well, everyone lives according to their tribe. You're going to function in your tribe. How many of you have heard that? Here's my tribe, everybody that fears God. You know what I like? You're my tribe. You're my group. You're my peeps. You're my gang. You're my crew. You're the people that I want to be with. Amen? And what I love is look at all the people that come. Why? Because when there's trouble, the people of God go to the house of God to be with other people of God. My place is with the people who fear God. And then here's the thing. My presence brings gladness, not fear and anxiety. So here's what we didn't do. Let's all get together. We came to church. And we said, okay, who's got their gun? We got to get ready. We got to fight. Let's go kill them. Why? Because killing's cool. You know what's interesting about that Piper thing? You know, the effeminate John Piper? This is the same guy that said if somebody broke into his house, he wouldn't take that person's life because his kids are saved. 
How many of you are glad he's not your dad? Can I say this? John Piper needs man camp. Okay. But listen, we understand. We, we understand that as people of God, that we are hopeful, we are joyful, we're not anxious. God is on the throne. I fear God, not Kamala Harris. Amen? Nina Pinta Santa Maria Cortez does not <laughs> impact our lives. We need to not be fearful. Amen? And then hang around cheerful people. Man, if you've got a friend, oh man, this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen. We're going to die. I can't go outside. We're going to kill some people. <laughs> that's probably, the Bible says, keep not company with an angry man. Amen? Let's, if the time comes for revolution, you'll know. Let's not start it. My place. I belong with those who fear God. How about this? I am winsome to those others who fear God, which means I am repulsive to those who hate Him. Can I read that again? I am winsome to those who fear God, which means I am repulsive to those who hate Him. My identity must be in Christ, not Facebook. There he goes, preaching against Facebook. I, have, I, have, I don't care whether you're on Facebook. I, don't, I do not care. But my identity is in Christ. I find my joy in Christ, not in likes. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. No, oh, I wrote this down. This is, hashtag, Lord, not likes. <laughs> I don't even know what hashtags are, but I, I, I see that in different places. My place. I belong with those that fear God. Now look at what it says. This, is so, man, this verse is just so good. Verse 74. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I have hope from God's word, not despair. We ought to be the most joyful people in the world right now, not the most fearful. People ought to be coming to us to say, man, what are we going to do? My prayer, help me hope in your word. Number three, my place. Look what it says. This is so perfect. Verse 75. I know, O Lord, that, thou judge, that, that, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Now, seriously, be honest. How many of you feel like a Biden administration would be an affliction. Would you raise your hand? You feel like that way. Okay, can I ask you something? Do, you deserve, do, do we deserve better than that? Come on, folks. Isn't this good? This perspective, when I understand my places as a creature, not the creator, and when I understand that I'm hopeful in God and in his word, then I understand. Here's my place. Afflicted but confident. Afflicted but confident. So, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. Do you see that? I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. How many of you know that God's judgments are right? Does America deserve judgment? Would it be right for God to judge the United States of America? 
but God, I am your choice servant. Nellie Olson, why Jesus loves me more than most. You can't judge America. I'm here. No. What we need to, my place, afflicted but confident. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. And then, I know, O Lord, that you're faithful. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. So, my place, first of all, my place is I am a creature, I'm a created being, not the creator. Then, my place is I belong to those who fear God. My place is afflicted but confident. And then my place, I am a servant in need. Look at the next verse. Verse 76, let I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my, what's that last word? Delight. So my place, I am a servant in need. I need mercy. I need kindness. I need comfort. And then I like the next verse. I need tender mercies. That phrase, tender, those two words, tender mercies. What, so you notice, it starts with I need mercy. That's the general mercy that everyone needs. And then I need specific tender mercies for myself. Right? How many of you, when you got hurt, ran to dad? Now, most of the time you're going to run to mom. You get a splinter, you run to mom. Why? Because dad's pulling out the Bowie knife. Here, let me heat this thing up, son. It's going to be good. Here we go. Here, you ready? Hold that thing out. You know, this is my finger because dad took a splinter out. You see, I need comfort. I need tender mercies from God. Look, there's a good chance that President Trump will not be the president. Our hope is in the Lord, not in President Trump. Amen? But what about justice? I know. I know. I hear you. My prayer. I want all of these things, mercy, kindness, comfort, tender mercies, to come to me according to your word. And I want this time right now, this time of testing that our country is going through, you know what I want it to do? I want it to help me delight in God's law. God, everything you say is true. Everything you say is true. See, my hope comes from God not entertainment. I want to read something to you. And this is so good. There's a, there was a book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, by a guy named Neil Postman. He wrote it in 1985. Listen to this, 1985. He said, Orwell warns, so it's George Orwell, 1984. Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression. So there are two dystopian novels so that's that's a, a world that is um, real negative, re- responding to some kind of uh, a calamity. And so the, the two most famous of these novels from the early tw- earlier 20th century are 1984 and Brave New World. Okay, so he's going to compare them. And what his point is that most of us are afraid of, of 1984, Big Brother and the Oppression. If you'll listen, I know it's hard to listen to someone read. Listen to this. It's fantastic. 
But in, so Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression. But in Huxley's vision, no big brother is required to deprive people of their autonomy, maturity, and history. As he saw it, people will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. How can I care about abortion? My favorite person's on Dancing with the Stars. My team's playing. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture. In short, Orwell feared that what we hate will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we love will ruin us. Is that one of the more prophetic things you've ever heard? Isn't it truthful? And, and let me just say this. That was very convicting to me because I know I am drowning in a sea of triviality. The things that, that dominate my time. It, it's, it's amazing the things that distract me that do not matter at all in the course of eternity. Man, I need understanding from the Word of God. And then, let's look at the next, my place. My place. Look at verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me. Look at what it says. Without a cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. Let the proud be ashamed, for they have dealt perversely with me. I want to talk about the proud. Look with me. Go back one book. Go to the book of, of Job, chapter 14. So remember Piper's statement that, that our arrogance or self-pride kills more people than abortion does. I, I want to I contrast that. Look at what it says, Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So why don't we all read that verse out loud together? Are you ready? Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. I don't know of a day that I've ever had that didn't have some trouble in it. And I've lived pretty much a charmed life. Can you imagine if you didn't live in the environment that you have grown up in, how much trouble you would really understand, how much trouble you would have experienced? Here's what the proud do. The proud believe that they can undo the trouble that is the human condition you remember when President Obama was elected? He said, the seas are beginning to recede. Is that proud? President Obama thought he controlled the sea levels. 
Is that more proud? We had more people on the we had more people here than have ever been in the history of the world. Which one is more arrogant? Which one is more prideful? That's interesting, isn't it? The proud. See, the world believes it can eliminate trouble from our existence. Now remember, we started with my place in society is that I'm a created being, which means I have no control over the created order. I submit to that and I thrive in it because God is in control. Okay? Denying that place. So if I tell you I'm a woman, that's denying the place. Wade, don't say a word. That's denying the place that God put me in society. That's denying God's order. Is that right? Can I give you an example of how crazy these people are? So Yuval Harari, he wrote a book called uh, Homo Deus. So it's man is God. And so he's so arrogant, he believes that death can be cured as a disease. Listen to what he wrote. Or this is John Lennox describing his position. Yuval Harari thinks that physical death has been reduced to a mere technical problem that is ripe for solution by medical science. In other words, he he thinks that within the not-too-distant future, Although we may die, we shall not have to die. A cure for death will be found, as if death were a disease. But is it? For as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. See, if you don't believe in a transcendent creator, then you believe that you are, the, you are your own God. And through technology, through transhumanism, through the merging of human beings and technology, you shall be as gods. That's the world we live in. They also believe that these proud, these proud people that are working perversely against us, they believe that they can eliminate poverty. How are they doing? Has poverty changed? Here's the thing that has affected poverty, capitalism. Private property and capitalism has elevated more people out of poverty than anything else in the history of the world. Why? Because God ordained private property and hard work. And it's amazing. It doesn't matter whether you're saved or not. When you submit to what God says, your life is better. Why? These are general principles. And these people are so arrogant, they believe that they can eradicate poverty through socialism. What is socialism? Government ownership of the means of production. That violates private property and it violates human nature. Um, this book is called Live Not By Lies. It was written by a guy named Rod Dreher, and he's a, he's a Roman Catholic. But what he did was he took um, an essay by Alexander Solzhenitsyn called Live Not By Lies. Solzhenitsyn wrote the famous book Gulag Archipelago, and he identified the errors of, of communism in the Soviet Union. He was exiled, and as, right as he left, he wrote an essay called Live Not By Lies. And basically his premise was, That how do you stand up against a totalitarian government when you have no power? Now, when it comes to social media and all those things, we don't have any power. When it comes to technocracy, we don't have any power, right? So what do you do? Never, here's here's what he said, never affirm something that you do not believe is true. 
They cannot require you to say something that is not true. Live not by lies. Amen? And here's our problem. Why did we have a a significant group of evangelicals vote against what the Bible says? Why do we have that kind of thing happening? Why do you have someone like John Piper that is that is concerned in the way that he is concerned? And it's this. Every verse in this section, teach me your statutes, teach me to love your law. Let me learn and understand your commandments. See, the church used to teach propositional truth. So what is propositional truth? You are a sinner. And because of that sin, you deserve to go to hell. And God, because he is righteous, must send you to hell. That's what justice is. That's the truth. That's what you deserve. That's all that you deserve. That's it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's propositional truth. Amen? And because he is also loving and merciful, he provided a solution. He provided himself. And he came as a man and lived a born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross as your and my substitute. That's propositional truth. And when I tell you, you are a sinner, and unless you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you are going to live and be tormented in a Christless hell for all eternity. Listen, you're not okay. You're not good. God is mad at you. God is angry with you. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. God hates sin. He hates it, and he will and must judge it. That's propositional truth. That's not popular truth. So what happened in Christianity is we move from propositional truth propositional teaching to therapeutic teaching. Therapeutic teaching. This was identified by a, by a cultural commentator in the 1960s. How the churches were going to completely lose relevance because the messages became man-centered instead of God-centered. And let me tell you, this has been such a good study for me because I have been infected with it. How many times have I said here, I need to put handles on this so you can take it home. Let me tell you how this should impact your life. Let me tell you what you are supposed to do with that. Now, that's okay. The Apostle Paul always had a therefore or knowing this, then we must. It's fine to do that. But what if I just stand up and preach a message on the deity of Jesus Christ? How do you need to apply that to your life? Get on your face and worship him. That's your response to it. It doesn't matter how you're feeling that week. What matters is he's worthy of glory. He's worthy of exaltation. He is the creator. He's the master. It's about him. It's not about us. And if we elevate our thinking and we elevate our minds to him, then the mundane, the earthly, will become mundane. And our, our life, we will live on a higher plane. It's better for us to focus on the propositional, not the therapeutic. Because your back will still hurt after church. 
How many of you, your back's hurting right now? Be honest. You hadn't thought about it until I said it, but your back's hurting right now. What are we going to do, folks? See, my place in society is I'm a, I'm a creature, not the creator. My, my place is, man, I like to be around the people that fear God. My place is afflicted but confident. Man, I, God, you're faithful. You're righteous. That's who I am supposed to be. But boy, do I need, I need mercy. I need comfort. I need tender mercies. I need kindness. But the people that fear God, they, we'll be winsome to them if we are full of joy, not if we're full of hate. You say, well, boy, that didn't sound too, too hopeful when you were talking about, about everybody going to hell. Man, I'm pretty hopeful about going to heaven. Anybody going to heaven here? How many of you know? You know that you're going to heaven. I like that. Woohoo! I'm going to heaven! That sure beats hell. That's pretty positive. Now listen, how many of you are still going to heaven even if Joe Biden's the president? Let's elevate Let's elevate our thinking. The, 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 the proud, they're going to be ashamed because the people that think they can overturn God's order, what does it say in Psalm 2? He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. You think you're a woman? What a knucklehead. I made you a man. And what did he tell Job? Gird up your loins like a man. And answer me. What was he saying? You're being a girl. You say, is it bad to be a girl? Not if you're a girl. (laughs) Back to the text. Psalm 119. Verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed... For they deal perversely with me, without cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. Do you remember what precepts are? The things we're supposed to tell people. How many of you know that, that the proud are doing some perverse things against us right now in the United States? Right? They don't want, don't, don't want you to be there when they count the votes. That's perverse. That's perverse. So what am I supposed to do? Speak the truth. There are things that God has told me to tell people. You know what? My hope's not in government. My hope's in God. You know what? I believe that truth will prevail. And if it doesn't prevail, y'all are going to stand before God. And there is a hell. Look at my smile. You think you're winning? Nah, we are. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you for the encouragement of your word. I'm glad that our hope isn't in politics. It's in you. I'm thankful that I'm here with a bunch of people that fear God, that are encouraged, that are strong, that are ready to go out into the community and speak the truth.